0: the opportunity to meet together tonight, together, Lord, uh, to continue to study together, Lord, and to, to pray together, Lord. We ask that you would order the time, Lord. We, uh, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the work that you did, Lord, through, uh, through men in, in compiling this confession and the blessing it is to us as we study through it and We pray that uh, your blessing would be upon our time tonight, that you would be uh, glorified, that we would uh, see you as you are, and that we would learn from you, Lord, and from your word, that we would uh, reflect your glory, Lord, in this community as we grow in our knowledge of you. We pray that you would remove distractions, Lord, and that you would uh, help us to focus on you we give you thanks we commit the time to you in Christ's name amen all right we're continuing through the confession tonight we're on chapter 3 of paragraph 2 and uh as i study the confession more i'm more uh amazed by the the thoughtfulness that's in every word that the founders in of the confession included so Let's read it together, if you want to go to the next slide, uh, uh, chapter 2, paragraph 3, or I'll read it. You can follow along. In this divine and infinite being, there are three subsistences, the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit. Of one substance, power, and eternity, each having the whole divine essence, yet the essence Undivided, The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. The Holy Spirit, proceeding from the Father and the Son, all infinite, without beginning, therefore but one God, who is not divided in nature and being, but distinguished by several peculiar relative properties and personal relations which doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all our communion with God and comfortable dependence on him. So that uh, section in bold, there's what we're covering tonight. As Mr. Law mentioned, we're going to hit a little bit on the practical side of the application of the doctrine of the Trinity. So of the children, who can tell me, are there more gods than one? No. How many gods are there? One. There's only one God. And how many persons? 3. All right. And three persons, very good. And who are they? Father, Son, and Spirit. Very good. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, uh, Mr. Laws included the Trinity basics in our last few meetings, which summarizes summarizes that God is one. God is three. The three persons are each fully God. Each of the persons is distinct from the others. The three are related to one another eternally as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So as we start to transition into some of the application, I wanted to touch on uh, the importance of the doctrine of the Trinity, and and this is a topic that... Uh, could be very deep. Uh, we've basically covered it in the last two sessions. Mr. Law has, um, but a few of the points I wanted to highlight here. Uh, the first being the doctrine of the Trinity is a distinguishing and central doctrine of the Christian faith. So unlike other religions, uh, the Trinity is unique in that there is one God in three persons. The work of God, creation, redemption, consummation can only be rightly understood as the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, unified in the purpose of the work, but distinct in the participation and contribution of each member. So it's a, it's a foundational, it's a distinguishing doctrine central to the Christian faith. It's also a foundation, it's foundational to our growth and sanctification. And Mr. Law covered some of this in the last few weeks. The Father ordains and secures our holiness. The Son lives the pattern after which we are to be remade and then dies to pay the debt for our sin. The Spirit directs us to the Son and his work in opening our eyes to see the glory of the Son and in making us like Christ. So our beginnings and our growth as Christians... Uh, is rooted in uh, the doctrine of the Trinity and the last bullet there which is what we're going to focus on tonight the doctrine of the Trinity provides one of the most important and neglected patterns for how human life and relationships are to be conducted Uh, and I'm going to be taking a lot of this uh, Mr. Law mentioned this book uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by Bruce Ware. I went through that last year and uh, had recommended it. Uh, and it really is a, uh, a great work on the Trinity and specifically on how we apply it in our lives. Uh, and this is one quote from that. The doctrine of the Trinity is eminently practical. And the church can benefit much from understanding and modeling its own life, work, and relationships after the Trinity. As we understand better the nature of the Trinity, the unity and diversity in the ways God has revealed himself to us, we have the opportunity to pattern what we do after God's design. And then I have a quote here from... Behold Your God, which uh, we're all familiar with, but I think is good to get us thinking about why it is practical. If you wish to do real and lasting good to your own soul and to your family, friends, or church, it is essential to begin with who God is. Uh, Bruce Ware emphasizes this uh, He says, I believe that many Christian people one day stand before the Lord, aware as never before that they spent too little time getting to know the depth and the wonder of who God really is, including his revelation of himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So quiz question for you. Who can tell me the vision of Geneva Lakes Church? Anybody besides one of the elders? That's part of it. Anyone fill in the gaps on that? Well, it's to reflect the glory of God as a distinct and peculiar people, and I didn't put it up on the the slides. Uh, So... In order to reflect God's glory, do you think it's important that we know who God is? Yes. In order to reflect his glory, we must understand him rightly. And we also must let that understanding work its way out practically in the way we pattern our lives and our relationships as his image bearers. So we're going to just take a quick look, I want to try to get through these teachings quickly to spend time in prayer, but at each of the persons of the Trinity, and just pull a few things that we can apply in our lives. So, first looking at the Father, God the Father, in relation to his Son and Spirit. What can we learn by, by studying God the Father, God as he reveals himself as a Father, So first we can learn from God the Father what true fatherhood really is. And this is a big subject, but just pulling a few things from that. Uh, First of all, the fact that as a father he requires respect, honor, and obedience. As God requires of his people that they respect him, that they honor him, and they obey him. If we are to father our children as God fathers us, we should cultivate in our homes a healthy atmosphere of respect for our authority. We do our children no service by allowing them to speak and act in disrespectful ways. Our permissiveness in allowing them to be both disrespectful and disobedient to us only cultivates the same sense of disrespect and disregard towards God the Father in heaven. But on the other hand, uh, God the Father also lavishes gifts on his children. He's generous in his care, love, and provision and protection. So you think there is any doubt in Christ that his Father loved him? There's no question in his mind. And as fathers, we need to develop that in our own children. Do your children know how much you love them? Do they know that along with your insistence on their respect and obedience that your heart longs deeply for them to have the very best that you can give them as a father? All right, so we can learn about fatherhood, and that's just very high level. But we can also learn about how we exercise authority. So we see God. God is God the Father, exercising authority in wisdom, uh, in goodness, in thoroughness. Though we will never succeed in being like him as we should we should see in him the pattern of what any of us who is in a position of authority ought to be like. To exercise authority with wisdom, goodness, care, and thoroughness and not in self-serving ways is to be like our Heavenly Father. And then as part of that, we can observe how he delegates work. God the Father has no need of, uh, he lacks nothing. But yet we still see him delegating work, uh, not only to the other persons of the Godhead, but to his children. So examples of that, obviously the father works through his son to bring us, his children, to himself, to lavish on us every spiritual blessing. He works through the spirit who acts as the agent of the son and the father and then he works through us whom he empowers and calls by his spirit to accomplish his will so may god grant us hearts like our fathers that like our heavenly father that seek ways to share the best of the work so that others may have joy in participating all right and then god the son So from the son's relationship to his father and to the spirit, we can learn much that we can apply in our lives. Uh, The first is by his example of submission. We see in the son perfect submission to the father. And this is, uh, as I went through the study the first time, one of the things that stood out to me, how submission is Godlike. Christ the Son perfectly submitted. We can often think of authority as being Godlike. but it is just as Godlike to submit, gladly and joyfully to rightful authority. And we reflect God's glory when we do so, rather than despising authority or even rather than yielding. To authority with a grumbling and begrudging spirit, we learn from Jesus what true submission looks like. All right, and then secondly, from uh, from God the Son, we learn about the power and the unity, power of unity and harmony, in authority-submission structure. So again, referring to uh, Christ's submission to his Father, we see great love between the Father and the Son. This example in the Trinity of authority and submission lived out in perfect harmony, expressed beautifully in the life of Jesus. So... As an application, we can think of all the authority submission relationships we have and how much more blessed those would be if we were in relationships like the Trinity. And then finally, uh, we can learn from the love of the son for his father and the love of the father for his son. So what is one way that we show that we love God? According to John, by keeping his commandments. So we see in Christ that perfect example. John 14.31 says, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. And then we also see the Father's love for the Son in his delight that he showed of him, in what he required of him, and in the honor given to him. At his baptism in Matthew 3.17, God the Father said, And behold, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So did God love the son when he asked the son to go to the cross? He did. The father showed his son the highest honor by giving him the mission by which he would win the right to rule as king of kings and lord of lords. Philippians 2.9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. The father's love for the son led him to favor his son for this highest of all privileges, which required the payment of the highest cost. Bruce Ware says, true love is wrapped in relationships. And whenever those relationships involve some level of authority and submission, the love of the son for the father and of the father for the son instruct us concerning just what love really is. Our sentimental notions of love need to be displaced with the real-life love shown us in this father-son relationship. No greater love exists than this love, and so no better model exists by which we can learn and relearn how love is rightly expressed. All right, and then in the third person of the Trinity, we see applications from the Spirit in relation to the Father and the Son. We see how the Spirit willingly served, almost in the background throughout Scripture, without being the center of attention and doing it primarily for the honor of the Father. In creation, redemption, and consummation, the Spirit willingly accepts the role of supporter, helper, sustainer, and equipper. And in all these respects, He forsakes the spotlight. For many people, it's difficult to take the behind the scenes position. I actually prefer the behind the scenes position. But, uh, but to con- but to labor sacrificially, all for the purpose of pointing constantly to another, and for the honor they might receive. This is the way of the spirit, and this is the power that is at work in us to help us to serve to the honor of Christ, that He may receive all the glory. All right, in summary, and I know this is going quickly through what really there is a lot of material on. As we study the doctrine of the Trinity, we can better reflect God's glory as we pattern our lives and relationships after the persons of the Trinity after the father the fatherhood of god the father and his great wisdom goodness and care and thoroughness in his authority and his delegation the submission and obedience of the son and the extraordinary love of the son for the father and the father for the son and the willingness of the spirit to serve unnoticed and for the glory of another and in summarizing it all in the unity and the harmony of the love relationship within the Trinity. Uh, I'll pull this quote from Bruce Ware as well, uh, which I think is pertinent to uh, the day in which we live. We must here resist the lie of our culture that says the only way that we can exist happily together is if we always and only acknowledge everyone is exactly the same. Unity is not sameness, and harmony requires differences working together. Without question, there are aspects of the doctrine of the Trinity that are beyond our comprehension, but since God has deemed it good and right to reveal to us what he has about the Father, Son, and Spirit, how they relate and work together, we must endeavor to understand what he's told us. We should look not only to the commands of God, but also to the roles and relationships among the triune persons of God to see what it means to live our lives as his images. We will experience the joy and satisfaction of human life only when we embrace, not resist, his created design. I think we can default to uh, the commands of God and sometimes forget the example that God has given us for relationships within the Trinity. All right, well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the perfect example, Lord, that we see in the Godhead. We thank you for... uh, the unity and the diversity Lord the harmony Lord the different roles and relations yet you are one God and we, we thank you for what we can learn from that for application to our lives Lord and that it is all for your glory Lord That we as a people as a local body might better reflect your glory we pray that we would grow in our knowledge of you that we can do so rightly Lord We thank you for this doctrine, Lord, for those who have uh, labored and gone before us, Lord, in articulating the doctrine of the Trinity, Lord, as you have revealed yourself in your word. And pray that you would help us, Lord, to uh, rethink you biblically, to walk in the light of the truth of your word, to... uh, Silence the lies of the enemy, Lord, and the, the deceptions of the culture around us that would blur, Lord, the lines of uh, your creation and your order. We pray that you would equip this body, Lord. We, we thank you for this time together. Lord, and as we continue in prayer together, we pray, Lord, for, uh, for unity, for you to direct our time, and for your help, Lord, as we cry to you. We thank you that we have a high priest who intercedes for us. We thank you for this time, Lord, and we look to you for our help in Christ's name. Amen.